So uh, I will start a timer to keep me accountable here. Um, let's just see how long I go. But I try to keep it to 15 minutes. Uh, maybe we'll just close in prayer this time. I'll just go ahead and get started. Um, remember, a Christian is someone who confesses certain things. He believes certain things and he confesses certain things. And what we looked at, what did we look at last time? Does anyone remember one word? Duncan? No. What did we look at last time? Conversion. The way a person is born again. Because does, do we find that the rest of the world believes what we believe? No. And so how is it that a person ever comes to believe them anyways? They have to be born again. They have to be a new creation. So God has to bring us into relationship with himself by spiritual awakening, where we're convicted of sin, where we repent of our sin, and where we believe in Jesus. Those three things. Remember, the, the third vow, do you confess that because of your sinfulness you abhor and humble yourself before God, that you repent of your sin and that you trust for salvation not in yourself but in Jesus Christ alone? The fourth vow has to do with uh, the Christian life. So I'll write that down here. Uh, the Christian life. Can anyone tell me the difference between conversion and the Christian life? It's a very simple distinction, but let's see. Grace, did you raise your hand? What's the difference? That's right. So conversion is the beginning. The question is, what happens after that? Do you just say, well, I'm a Christian now. Uh, I don't have to go to church. I'll go live like the world. Uh, remember, you said that you abhor and you leave your sin. And so obviously, that was question three. If you leave your sin and you're pursuing a relationship with God, your life is probably going to look different, isn't it? It'll look different than the world's life and living. Uh, and part of that, obviously, is how you spend your time. Uh, so you're in church on Sunday when others aren't. It's a pretty big one. Uh, so let me read uh, the fourth membership vow. This has to do, again, with the Christian life. And if you have the book um, that, uh, what's his name, wrote, Cal Cummings, that's the title of the fourth chapter, The Christian Life. And these, the first five chapters are, uh, they go along with the first five vows, and then there's two additional chapters. He says this, uh, Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your sovereign Lord? Do you promise that in reliance on the grace of God you will serve him with all that is in you, forsake the world, resist the devil, put to death the sinful deeds of the, and desires, and lead a godly life? In other words, do you promise to live the Christian life? So, another way that we can describe uh, the Christian life is that it is a life of discipleship. Remember, we said that a, a, a Christian is a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's, it's too hard to spell and to talk at the same time, but that says discipleship. <laughs> uh, so, when Jesus says, follow me, does he mean for a day? How long does he mean? Forever. Forever. Your whole life as a disciple, you're following him. Remember he said that to the disciples at the beginning? Follow me. So that's what a Christian is. He's someone who follows Jesus. He says, Jesus, you're my Lord. Not the world, not myself. You're the Lord. And so I'm going to follow you all of my life. I want to break this lesson under four headings, and you'll find these in the lesson. I'm not expecting you guys are going to read this. I'm just saying, if you happen to take a copy and read it, you're going to find something similar. The first point is the purpose of the Christian life. Can anyone tell me what the purpose of the Christian life is? I'm thinking shorter catechism number one. Benny? 
To honor the Lord, that's good. Can anyone recite Shorter Catechism number one? What is the chief end of man? That's right. It's to glorify and enjoy God. Glorify and enjoy. I don't know if you can see this, but I'm writing it for my own benefit, if nothing else. Uh, the purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him. How long? Forever. Forever. So, the purpose of the Christian life, the purpose of our lives, is to glorify and enjoy God. Chapter, uh, question one of the Shorter Catechism. In other words, think of it like this. Why does God save anyone? Is it so that we can live really happy, awesome lives? Yes, Ellie. Well, that's true. That's true. But what is he... What is he Whoever said for his glory is the answer. He wants us to live a life that is glorifying to him. Uh, And that's the kind of life we're meant to live. So Jesus says in, uh, in Matthew 16, he says, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. If anything, he says, guess what? Following me, your life will get harder, not easier. Uh, which is a hard thing, a uh, hard thing to accept. First uh, Corinthians, uh, verse nine, uh, chapter six, verse nineteen. He says, "You're not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body." If God saves you, you ought to live a life that glorifies Him, shouldn't you? But what does that mean? We talk about that a lot. Glorify God, and then you think, "Boy, I, I don't have any idea what that even means." And I'm going to be honest with you guys, sometimes I kind of forget too. I think, I'm a minister, I should know that, but I'm not sure I could explain what that even means. Well, think of it in terms of who God is. He is a glorious being, isn't he? And that means he's perfect, it means he's righteous, it means he's good, he's merciful. And the way that you glorify God, this is very simple, is when our lives reflect his glory. The more we're like him the more his glory is shining in us. Does that make sense? I'm trying to make this very simple. Tell me if that doesn't make sense. The more we're like him, the more his glory is shining in us. Okay? His righteousness, his holiness, his mercy, his love, his justice, his wrath. We shouldn't see sin and turn the other way. So, I mean, we shouldn't act like it's not there. We should, we should, uh, we should hate sin. Uh, so when our life reflects his glory, that's how we glorify him. But do, do you realize that we are also meant to enjoy him? Even though Jesus says, you know, the Christian life is going to be hard. It's going to be harder than your life would have been otherwise. If you don't follow me, you're going to have, a, guess what? You're going to have a lot more fun. Let's just be honest about it. And parents, you need to be honest about that. Do you know what? Sin is a lot of fun. People wouldn't sin if it weren't because it ruins their lives. Why do they do it? Why would anyone knowingly ruin their lives? Because it's just so fun. That's why it tempts us. I want to do this thing. Your life will be harder. It'll be more boring. It'll be more mundane. Uh, I mean, we're sitting here in church. This isn't very exciting. I don't pretend that it is. We could be off in the world doing all kinds of things. But it is what we are seeking is to enjoy whom? God. The Christian life is a life that says, my greatest pleasure is in him. Not in anyone else. So we are meant to not only glorify him, but we are meant to enjoy him. And the way that we enjoy him is when our life is full of him. 
When he becomes the center of our lives and the focus of our lives. All right. What about the next point? We're moving along. What is the motivation for the Christian life? Why, why would we live a life like this? Who would ever give up the pleasures of sin to live a life of holiness? He'd have, he better have a really good reason. I mean, Moses lived in Pharaoh's court. He would have been rich and esteemed and powerful, and he gave it all up to go out in Midian and then lead the people into the wilderness, and his life was awful. Who would ever want to do that? Why would someone... Yes, Duncan. Okay, someone wants to go to heaven. Uh, there's a simpler answer. That's a good answer. We don't want to go to hell. That's definitely a good answer. Yes, Ellie. Well, that's a good answer, too. You actually said the answer earlier. Think about it. Because he loves us. We love him because he loved us first. And how did he demonstrate that love? On the cross. Is that what you're going to say, Benny? I'll give you credit for that. He demonstrated his love when he gave his own son. And what greater love is that, Jesus says, is there than that, that someone should lay down his life for his friends or even his enemies? So the reason we love God is because he loved us. And because he loved us, how could we not love him? He gave us the greatest gift he could ever give us. Jesus shed his own blood for us. Can we not love him? Again, you were bought with a price. Honor God with your body. If you say, Jesus is my Savior, but he isn't my Lord, what are you really saying? He's not my Savior either. That's what you're saying. He's either both or he's nothing. So, glorify God with your life. Jesus says, if you love me, can anyone finish the sentence? Yes, Darren. Not quite. Do you know? Do you really know or are you just guessing? No, you're guessing. If you love me, keep my commandments. You know, as parents, sometimes we don't want a hug and a kiss. We just want you to obey us and then we'll know you love us. So listen to me. You know, you know, it's right. Uh, don't don't disobey us and then give us a kiss. It doesn't work like that. OK, you understand. You know how this works. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Why do we love him? Why do we keep his commandments? Because he first loved us. Very simple, very simple stuff. All right, here's something else. We might go a little beyond 15 minutes, uh, but not much. What is the standard of obedience? If we love him, we'll keep his commandments. Well, where do we find his commandments? Or let me ask you this question before you answer it very simply. What role has God given to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him? Can anyone answer that? Ellie, the word of God, which is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him. The Bible, the Bible. I was looking for the answer to short catechism, so shame on you, Jonathan. Uh, Of course, could you get it, Duncan? I know I've taught it to you, and I know I've taught it to you, Lily, so you guys need to brush up on your catechism. The word of God, which is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him. So does that mean we can find it anywhere else? No. I told you, we don't go out and meditate under a tree and find God there. I mean, we might, but that's not the, 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 the regular experience of a Christian. This is how a Christian grows in grace. He opens his Bible. And he learns what it is that God wants. In other words, 
What is the kind of life that glorifies God? Well, do you think maybe God might have told us? We don't come up with it ourselves. We don't look to the world to tell us what righteousness looks like. I know a lot of Christians do that today. They want the world to tell us how to be righteous. And they're terrified the world will think we're unrighteous if we don't do what the world tells us to do. You need to go march in the street and protest this. You need to do that. No, that isn't how it works. You want to be righteous, open your Bibles. That's the answer. So, what, where do we find his commandments? This is really simple stuff, guys. Ellie, I'm looking at you. Come on, give it to me. Yes, but what, what, there's a certain list of commandments. Can you tell me what that list is called? Darren? That's it. The Ten Commandments. All right, how much time do we have? I don't even care. We, we're almost done. Who can tell me what the first commandment is? James. That's it. Can you tell me the second? Grace. That's it. Can you tell me the third? Not take the Lord's name in vain. What about the fourth? We might be keeping it now, hopefully. William. Sabbath day, the fifth. Now, children, you better get this one. Ellie, I'm looking at you. Yes. That's it. Honor your parents. Number six, James. That's it. You got it. Do not murder. Number seven, what's that? Anyone got it? Duncan. That's it. What's adultery, by the way? Would it be maybe if I took another wife? If I divorced my wife and had another? Jesus says, you're an adulterer. Is that what you were going to say, Grace? Yes. So I, I better be faithful to my wife. So, and good, the good thing is I don't want anybody else, so we're okay. Uh, number eight, uh, who, uh, James? That's it, don't steal. And I'll even get, bet that most of you have broken that commandment. But I'm also going to guess you've broken all the commandments. I guess what, so have I. So, number nine, we're almost there. William? It's okay, don't guess though if you don't know it. Just tell me you don't know. No, uh, no, that's it. You got it. Do not bear false witness. You were right. In other words, don't lie. Don't bear false witness. If someone says, hey, did he do it? And you say, uh, yeah, that's bearing a false witness if he didn't do it and you know it. So if he, bear, if he didn't do it, you better say he didn't do it. And don't bear false witness against yourself either. And number 10. Yes, James. Do not covet. And what is coveting? Darren. You got it. That's it. That, that's it. That's exactly it. When you want something someone else has, that's the sin of the heart. And guess what? With your heart, you can break the first nine. So all of the first ten are outward actions, but the last one says, don't even sin with your heart. So that's the Ten Commandments. That's where God tells us how to live a godly life. So I was going to ask you guys, have you memorized the Ten Commandments? We didn't do too bad here, but that'd be a good place to start. You ask yourself, how, what, what are the top ten things God wants me to do? Where do you think you could find the top ten things? I'm making this easy. Okay, ten commandments. All right, good place to start. All right. So, this is the life which glorifies God. It's the life lived in obedience to the ten commandments. All right, final point, And I, I'll try to really wrap it up here. Where do we find the strength to live a godly life? Remember, it said... It said, you promise in reliance on the grace of God, you will serve him with all that is in you. 
So the, the strength to obey the law is found where? In ourselves? Yes or no? No. no. In? <laughs> In reliance on the grace of God. And so it won't do to memorize the Ten Commandments and then go, God, I promise I'm going to keep them all. I hate to break it to you, but if you do that, if you are foolish enough to go home and say, God, I promise I will never break one of the Ten Commandments, you'll break them in the next five minutes. Don't do that. You're a sinner. All of you are sinners. You're never going to do that. It isn't the strength of our resolutions or our promises. What you're acknowledging in the fourth membership vow is that you're saying, I can do nothing apart from him. Do you remember when Jesus said that? Hold on one second, Meredith. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I can do nothing apart from him. And so you have to cultivate a life going back to number one, which is full of the glory and the enjoyment of God. And then you will find more and more that your life is full of obedience. So the answer is solely from God. Again, shorter catechism, number one. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. And so, did you have a question, Meredith? Could what? Uh, well, everybody breaks the Ten Commandments, so I'm not sure what you... No. We, we're all going to break them. As soon as you're born, you start... You know, you don't have to teach a child to sin. Did you ever notice that? What do parents have to teach their children to do? Not to sin. <laughs> so we're all sinners by nature, and as soon as we come into this world, we break the law. There was one person who, ne- who kept the law perfectly and never sinned. Jesus. Everybody else breaks the law all the time. That's why we need a Savior. Does that answer your question? Okay. So, the fourth membership vow, in light of all of that, and I think we actually did pretty good on time, even though we reviewed the Ten Commandments. We're at 18 minutes. Do you acknowledge... This is what you will be asked. Do you acknowledge Jesus Christ as your sovereign Lord? And do you promise that in reliance on the grace of God, you will serve him with all that is in you, forsake the world, resist the devil, put to death your your sinful deeds and desires, and lead a godly life? In other words, it's describing the life of discipleship. And if you have trouble with the wording there, you can go home and ask your parents. This is why I'm giving this to you. I'm trying to put it in the simplest way. There's one final point I want to make, however. And that's temptation. What this, and I've already made this point to you, but let me just make it again. You see, it, you have to forsake the world. You have to resist the devil. You have to put to death the sinful deeds. One of the things you'll find as you grow up, especially as you leave your parents' house and go into the world, is that the world is full of temptation. You are constantly being tempted to sin. And what you're promising, again, relying on the grace of God, is to resist that temptation and to flee from sin. And if you're living a life that is constantly giving in to temptation and a life that's full of sin, then you can't be a member of the church. Just as soon as you join the church, you'll be excommunicated from the church because, uh, I mean, I'm not talking about small level stuff here where we're breaking the law every day in a small way. I'm talking about big, big sins. You're tempted to commit a big sin and you break one of the commandments in a major way, like a man committing adultery or something like that. So... You are, you are going to face temptation. And you are promising that in reliance on the grace of God and with the help of the church, that will be the fifth vow, that you will resist temptation as you face it. And that when you fall, 
under the power of temptation, that you will confess your sin and that you will repent. Uh, so, it's not a, a Christian life isn't a life that's free from sin. You will sin, but uh, if if you are if you are not fleeing from sin, if you're not resisting sin, and you're just giving in to sin every time you're tempted, uh, then you will have no place in the church. So, and that's why we exercise church discipline. We'll talk about that next time. Uh, what it what it is to be in the church, uh, someone who who commits a lot of sin and doesn't repent of their sin is someone who will be uh, disciplined from the church. Again, we'll talk about that next time. I want you to recognize that the Christian life, in the Christian life, you will face temptation. You will be tempted to sin every day. But you're promising that in reliance on the grace of God, you will resist that with all that is in you. You will flee from sin. You will pursue a life of holiness. That's what a Christian life is. Yes, Ellie. That's it. That's it. Now, I'm not saying if you stole this bubble gum, you'd be cast out of the church right away, okay? Uh, that's not my point. If you go rob a bank, you might be, though, okay? So don't rob a bank. Uh, so there's a difference. We're talking about big-scale sin. Little-scale sin, you have to turn from those, too. But if you don't resist temptation, pretty soon the little sins will become the big sins. I think that's the better way to put it. So you better resist the temptation even to steal your brother's bubble gum, or else it'll just grow and get worse. All right. That's right. And sin doesn't ever de-escalate. It always escalates. It always gets worse. It never gets better. You say, if I just commit this sin, I won't be as tempted the next time. No, you'll be twice as tempted. All right. Let's, let's pray. We, can, we have one more membership now, and then we'll have a sixth class where, like I said, I have something a little bit out of the ordinary, something special for you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for uh, this class and for the little children. We pray that you might give them faith, the ability to profess it. And let them be well instructed in that faith. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.